One thing that you find with this passage is that Saul was focused on David. And that led him to not be focused on the real enemy of Israel, the Philistines. And so in the beginning and at the end of this passage, you have the Philistines attacking. Because Saul is focusing on someone who is not the enemy, David, and he's forgetting the enemy that God had raised him up to fight. And so in this, in this passage, in the beginning of this passage, we have the, the Philistines attacking a small town called Calah, south of Jerusalem. And David was told about it. And when David heard about a town in his land of Judah, where he lived and had grown up, being attacked, he wanted to help them. His heart was filled with compassion, and his desire was to see the people of the Lord free and free from oppression and free from their enemies. And so he had a crazy idea. He, he was running from Saul. He was hiding in caves. He didn't know if he'd survive the next day. And so he goes to his men who are all hiding, who are all outlaws in the land of Judah, and he says, let's go fight the Philistines. That is his idea. Now, of course, he didn't just go with this idea on his own. He sought the Lord. He said, it's in my heart to seek to fight the Philistines and help this city that I know, but I'll ask the Lord. And he had the Urim and the Thummim with which he could consult with the Lord. So the word of the Lord is with David. It's not with Saul any longer. And so David asked the Lord, and the Lord says, go for it. It's a good idea. And then he goes to tell his men, and he says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go fight the Philistines and save this town of Kela. And they say, you are nuts. Tu eres muy loco, right? He is like in the last time. Right? He, was, he pretended to be loco. They thought he was loco. So because he was, um, because they were running for their lives. So how can they fight the Philistines, let alone Saul? But he, so he goes and he, he says, all right, let me pray about it again. <laughs> you know, it's like when we're not sure, it's like we prayed about it. It seems clear. Maybe I should pray about it again. That's basically what David does here. He prays about it again. He asks the Lord, should I go up and save Kayla? And he says, go for it. You should do it. And so David and his men, he had about 600 men with him. And they went and they fought against the Philistines and they totally defeated them. They took all their, all their animals and the town of Kayla was liberated. And so after all these months of running and hiding, being in fear for their lives, they had done a battle and they'd done something great. They'd saved this town and it was a really happy moment for them. You can see they're really excited that they had just won this battle. But then Saul hears about it. Notice he didn't come down. He wasn't concerned that Caleb was being attacked by the Philistines. It's David who goes and fights the Philistines. Saul is concerned about David. And so Saul discovers that David was in Caleb. And so now he mobilizes his army and he heads down to Caleb, not to fight the Philistines, but to fight David. He's got it completely wrong. His view is not in accordance with reality. And David, David's thinking, you know, we just liberated this town. We did something really great for them. 
So I wonder if they'll actually give us up to Saul. Then maybe they'll fight for us. And so he asked the Lord, will Kayla deliver us over? Will Saul come down and will Kayla deliver us up? And God says, yes, they will. They will hand you over. They will betray you. And he asks again, just to be clear again, Lord, are they going to hand me over? And, he's, and God says, and God says, yes. And so here, not only have they, not only do they have to go back to the cave, but also they feel the pain of being alienated from their own people. And this just wasn't just the, the people of Israel, the, the nation. It was their own state their own relatives that we're talking about here. It was those who would be closest to them. And so instead of rejoicing with them in this victory, he runs and goes back to the wilderness of Judah. And verse 13 says, So David and his men left, and Saul was told that David escaped. He didn't go there. And then it says that David stayed in the wilderness stayed in the wilderness strongholds in the hills and the deserts of Ziph. But listen to this. While day, day after day, day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. So every day, David sees that Saul could get him at any time. He knows Saul is looking for him, and he knows Saul and his men want to take him out. They want to kill David. They want to end what they see as a threat. And so it's just day after day after day after day where you're running for your life. So I don't know if you've ever felt like a real threat to your life. Maybe momentarily. You know, you, maybe you've seen a car almost hit you. Or maybe you felt a threat from someone who was going to rob you or something like that. But it's different to feel that threat day after day after day after day. That's a lot of stress upon someone. And how did David feel about this? Well, I want you to think about some lessons we learned from this. Um, well, and we'll talk about David's feelings here in a second. But one thing I want you to know before I say, talk about that is that one of the things we see in this passage is that God often places his children in difficult situations. God often places his children in difficult situations. When, when we get into a tough situation, it's easy for us to think, where is God? What is he doing? And, and those are questions that we may want to share with him, as we'll talk about in a moment. But what I know here is it helps us to see it's not uncommon for the people of God to experience difficult situations. In fact, it's rather common. You look at the people in the Bible, they're facing often very difficult things. So when you get into a tough situation as a Christian, don't think it's something strange. Don't think it's something rare or new. It's something that God has brought his people through. And maybe that's, again, maybe you're in a situation like that this summer where you feel like things were going to be one way and they turned out to be a different way. Maybe you come today here feeling tired or exhausted or you're not sure about the future. Maybe you're feeling some of the financial pressures that our society is feeling or some other issue. These are things that we're going to go through in this world. And David himself was deeply discouraged. 
Um, if you look at Psalm 142, so that's the, the second thing I wanted to note, second lesson is that David himself was deep, deeply discouraged. If you look at Psalm 142, we don't know exactly when this psalm was written. But it says that it, is, it was a prayer when David was in the cave. So clearly in this time when he was fleeing for his life. And listen to how he prays. He says in verse 1, I cry out loud to the Lord. I lift my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. So he has a complaint. He's in trouble. He needs mercy. And listen to what he says in verse 4. Look and see. There's no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. Have you ever said anything like that? I have no support. No one's with me in this. No one really cares. That's what he's saying here. That's the feeling he had at times when he was in the cave. Maybe this time. And it would be easy to feel that. Because remember, he'd just been abandoned by his people in Kayla. And so it would feel like no one really cares. No one's for him. And listen to what he says in verse 6. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. I can't do it. He's saying, it's too hard. It's too difficult. There's too many foes. There's too much to deal with. I'm in desperate need. I am needy. I can't do what I need to for myself. I need some help. That's the kind of cry that he had. When you read 1 Samuel, it would be easy just to think David just kind of kept going forward, you know, without thinking much about it. He just kept doing it. But here we see that he was really, really discouraged, really discouraged at times, ready to give up, kind of telling himself the worst types of stories that we tell ourselves. And you can see this a little bit in, in 2315. It says, while David was at Horish in the desert of Sif, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. Now, it's interesting that word there, he learned that, is in the Hebrew, it could be he saw that, or even he feared, because it's, it's the same letters. And so, clearly it's saying more than just like he knew about it. He's deeply concerned. He's seeing and getting the fact that someone is coming to kill him. And possibly it could mean also that he feared that, that Dave, he had fear, which I'm sure he did. He describes that in the Psalms. Fear is a natural response to threats. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's only bad when it's not calibrated to reality. And so David is struggling. David is struggling. And we're going to talk about how he got encouragement. But, but one thing I want you to know before we look at that is in verse 14b, it says, though, um, that this has this beautiful phrase, but God did not give David into his hands. So God's saying, like, I'm going to bring you into this hard situation. I'm going to bring you into difficulties. I'm going to bring you into struggles. Uh, things are not going to go well. People are going to turn you. I'm going to put you in all this stuff. But I'm still with you. It's only, it's only where I lead you. And I've still got you. You're still in my hand, and I'll keep you from Saul. God was still involved 
all the time. And it's hard for us to believe sometimes when things are not going real well. But God is still there helping us out. That's what we see here. And in fact, God gave David encouragement. God gave David encouragement. Now, as you read the Psalms, one way you might think that David got, in, got encouragement was, is that he just went off on his own. He thought about the Lord and he prayed to the Lord. And eventually he felt better as he contemplated the promises of God. And that's a big part of it. And that's an important part and that's a good part. But remember, what are the Psalms? Psalms are really, we could call the book songs. Or the book, we could call it hymns. Because that's what it is. These are songs that were meant to be sung with other people. So in other words, he's telling his struggle. Not only to God, but also to the people around him. He's sharing his struggle with the people around him. So we should not see this is simply an individualistic thing. We should see it as something that, that we are to process not only with God, but with other people. And that is brought out forcefully in what happens next. And that's what I want you to see. The next point is David's encouragement from his friend. So David was praying. He's saying, Lord, help me. I'm in desperate need. I need encouragement. I need strength. I need your help. I need your mercy. And God answered his prayer. God answered his prayer. But how did he answer his prayer? God gave him encouragement through the presence of a friend, through the presence of Jonathan. God helped him by bringing a friend to him. God helped him by bringing Jonathan to him. He could have just said, hey, you have my word. Shouldn't that be enough? But he didn't. He gave him a friend. And that friend's name was Jonathan. In the wilderness, Jonathan found David. Saul couldn't find David. Jonathan found David. And he came to David to encourage him. As it says in verse 15, he went to David at Horish to help him find strength in God. So he wasn't saying, I'm the strength. David, Jonathan wasn't saying, I am the strength. He, Jonathan is helping him find strength in the right place with God himself. Jonathan was there to help him find strength in God. And so God gave David encouragement through Jonathan, and then Jonathan gives him encouragement through the promises of God. He gives to David the word of God. Look at verse 16, or verse 17. He said, don't be afraid. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I'll be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. Now, how did Jonathan know that David would be king? Because God had said, David will be king. That was the word of God. David is going to be king. David may not have seen that. He had trouble finding strength in God. He had trouble believing the promises. He had the struggle and trial of faith. But Jonathan helped him find strength in God by quoting to him the promises of God. And, it's, and, and one thing we see is like, it's amazing to read the Bible. It's another thing to hear it from a friend. And we need to remember that. That we need each other. 
And we need each other to remind each other of the promises of God. And two instances of this came, come to my mind. Um, I remember one time I was really struggling with relationships. And I was actually preaching a series of sermons on that time on Jesus and relationships, talking about how he had to deal with people in his life. And one of the things that I had said in that sermon series was, relationships are hard. That was the title of the sermon. And so, um, so I went into, on the other side over there, helping arrange stuff, and there was KG. And KG said, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm struggling today, to be honest. And he said, yeah, just some things going on with people really bothering me. And you know what he said? Relationships are hard. (laughs) He preached my sermon to me in three words. And you know, it was a huge encouragement. Because not that relationships are hard in and of itself would be an encouragement, but to recognize that it's like this life has its challenges. This is nothing new. This is nothing even Jesus didn't experience. This is nothing God can't help me through. And so just to hear that from him was so powerful. I've never, it's like, Rarely experienced something quite like that. But it was amazing. It was like right from the Lord, through him, through my friend. Another time, I just, I just have heard many times when, I, when I've fallen or I've, I've fallen into sin, because even pastors sin, right? Amen? <laughs> so pastors do sin, and they do wrong things. And then what are we supposed to do with that? Well, you know, we go to the Lord, but sometimes it's good to talk to a friend. And I just remember calling my, my buddy Brian say, saying, like, man, I really messed up here. You know, I feel terrible about it. And he said to me, he said, Wes, your sins are forgiven. God forgives you. He won't ever bring it up again. And it was such a powerful moment. And it's like it's reverberated in my mind as like a reminder of God's forgiveness. And I just think that's kind of probably what happened there with David. God spoke to David through his servant, Jonathan, through his friend. But then Jonathan gave him not only the encouragement of God, he gave him the encouragement of, his, of himself. He said, I'll stick with you, basically. Verse uh, 18, it says, the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. They committed to each other. They, they, Jonathan is saying, look, I'm going to stick by you. The Lord is going to be with you, and I'm going to be with you. And I promise you that. And the Lord uses that in our lives when we have people who say, come to us and say, I'm going to stick with you. I'm there to help you. I'm a resource for you. I'll be praying for you. I am there for you. And that's some gift that we can give to people as well. And so David was encouraged. And he left from that place um, in Horish, or he stayed in Horish. He left Jonathan, or Jonathan left him. And he was refreshed and he was encouraged. And so, just two quick lessons from that before we go on to the last point. Because I want to draw something else out there. So when you're struggling with things, when you're struggling with things, the temptation is to try to work through it all yourself. We don't have to do this alone. God has given us a group of friends right here that we can talk to. And we've talked to each other. I can look at this room and see people we've had discussions with. 
you know, when we're in times of struggling. See the encouragement. We don't have to do this alone. And that's not God's design. God wants us to use our friends to help each to help us and have us help them. Now, one thing is just a quick caution here. Is when I say a friend, what, is, what does a friend do? Well, sometimes when we tell people about our burdens, we can have people who aren't that helpful. And they kind of stoke things up. They're the people who, who might, they, they can make one of two mistakes. What, what, the first mistake is, is that they only affirm us. In other words, that they, they, they say, whatever we say about anybody else, they say, yeah, that person's terrible. And they never challenge our version of the story. They never challenge us about our part in it. They never challenge us to grow. They just say, yep, everybody else is bad. You're good. That's, that's kind of, and it, feel, it feels good in the moment, right? When we get an ally. But it's not really what we need. On the other side, you have people who only challenge us. Well, I told you, you're an idiot. Why didn't you change? You know, that's not really, gonna, that's not really the friend we need, right? And so I've always been telling you how to live, and you finally, you didn't do it, and now look what happened. Like, that's not really going to help us. We need friend. A friend is someone who listens. A friend is someone who encourages, who will say the positive, but will also challenge us. So share your burdens with people who will encourage you, who will, you know, help you to see the good, but will also help you to see ways you can grow. That's what you need. And that's the kind of friendship that David and Jonathan had. That's a true friendship. Friendship is like shoulder to shoulder. We're working together to help each other go t- move towards the kingdom of God. That's the real friend. Now, what happens next? Now we're, so it's like you might get off this point if we end it here and say, and David and Jonathan lived happily ever after as best of friends and reigned in the kingdom. But no, not at all. <laughs> it's not at all what happens. It, it is right back into the difficulties. Because uh, he's there in, in the desert of Ziph, and the Ziphites decide to go to Saul and tell Saul that David is there. And you tell him exactly where he is and hand him over to him. And so it's right back to the same thing. They have a discussion, which we won't go into. But then we find that Saul, so Saul is now pursuing David again. Look at verses 25 and 26. Chapter 23. Saul and his men began the search. And when David was told about it, he went down to the rock and stayed in the desert of Maon. When Saul heard this, he went into the desert of Maon in pursuit of David. Now listen to this. Saul was going along one side of the mountain. David, his men, were on the other side, hurrying to get away from Saul. And, as, and then as Saul and his forces were closing in on David, his men to capture them. We'll talk about what happens next. But bottom line is, so, so they're so close. Here's the hill. David's army's on one side. Saul and his men on the other side. And they're like closing in like this. So this is a very difficult situation. Again, Remember how much he struggled with this. This is people seeking his life. And how was David feeling in the midst of this? Well, we actually have the song that David wrote about this event. And that is Psalm 54. So if you can't open your Bible, you can look at that with me. But if not, I'll just read it to you. 
So Psalm 54. Again, it starts out kind of with the same, same idea. That, save me, O God, by your name. Vindicate me by your might. Hear my prayer, O God. Listen to the words of my mouth. And so, um, and again, he's talking about, there's people trying to kill me. Listen to the three. Ruthless people are trying to kill me. <laughs> That's what's happening. People are trying to kill me. But, listen to the note, that next note. But he says, surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. It's a bit different tone than what we have in Psalm 142. And again, we can't say that this is somewhat a little bit of speculation on my part. But I do wonder if the tone here is different because he had had so much encouragement from his friend Jonathan. So that when he meets the Ziphites in a similar situation, that he's able to move forward with much greater strength because of his fellowship with his friend. And so he says... He says, I will sacrifice a free will offering to you. I will praise your name, Lord, for it is good. Very different tone. And then, once again, the Lord delivers him. Even the Lord, the Lord brings us very close sometimes. But the Lord is still there watching. And the Lord sends the Philistines again. And Saul has to rush off. And David is once again saved and looks in triumph on his foes. So... Let me just draw a few conclusions from this. So once again, the Christian life is one where we're going to go through trials, difficulties, and problems. We're going to experience difficult things. But they are designed to lead us to to the highest good, which is God himself, so that we rely on him and not on anybody else. But the irony of that is God gets us there. That's the second thing with other people. (laughs) So he may take other things from us at times, but he'll always send someone like a Jonathan to help us in the right time with the encouragement that we need. He gives us friends. He gives us his people. He gives us encouragement. We don't have to do this alone. And when we get people involved in our lives as we face the struggles, then that's what will enable us to face them with much greater strength, with much more confidence and more, much more faith in the Lord. And then we'll say with, with David, I will sacrifice a freewill offering to you. I'll praise your name, Lord, for it is good. You have delivered me from all my troubles. My eyes have looked in triumph on my foes. Yes, in the midst of trials, we can get there. But let's not do it alone. We have the church of God. We have the friends that God has given us to enable us to sing the praise to the Lord even in the midst of the hardest circumstances of life. Amen.